This is Oscars Playback on the Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Christopher Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce St. Joyce. It remains a wonderful night for Oscar. Oscar, Oscar. Well, it's the first time it's a wonderful night for Oscar. So Oscar, we, Oscar. Went, we went through the 90s uh an oscars playback here we did every 90 ceremony except for the 1990 ceremony because technically it's honoring the 89 movies so not part of the decade but as a bonus we're doing this in a few more because backed by popular demand choice i would say popular demand by like three people very very we love love the feedback from the three people who are huge fans so please keep uh listening but no there are are number one stands do we have a stand name i don't think so what would it be the playbackers i don't know Had you been sitting on that one? That's good. The playback. No, that just came to me right now. Really so. good. Right off the dome. Uh, Joyce, the 1990 Oscars, the 62nd annual Academy Awards to celebrate 1990, 1989 in film. I mean, I wish it was 1999 in film again. <laughs> I got to say, though, I was like, when, before we sat down to do this and I was like looking, I was like, oh, man, 1989, I feel like my general impression of the 80s is that it's not as good as the 90s, even though there are mil- there are dozens of IP that I love from the 80s, right? It feels like a, it's a big era of like, you know, Hollywood excess and like, you have like franchises like Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, all these things that are still incredibly popular right now and would probably be mined or remade or are being remade. And yeah, many of these same stars like Top Gun is still happening, right? Obviously all these things, but 80, not a lot of like cool films, I would say, in the 80s. If you look at the Oscar winners, it's like the out of Africa type movies, right? Rather than like the uh, Titanic type movies or Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, there's just, there are more epics and I wouldn't say all of them have aged the best. And so this Oscar celebrates Driving Miss Daisy, which we'll talk about. And it's not, has not aged well. One of the most, uh, I would say derided Oscar winners and Oscars of all time, right? Like it's not 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 one that people really are are caring about. We'll read. I'll read this quote now, uh, but we'll talk a lot about this. I, I'm sure uh, Spike Lee, uh, obviously famously not nominated for Do the Right Thing, which is remains like one of the greatest movies of all time. But here was uh, Spike in 2015. He said this after Selma was mostly snubbed, except to get a Best Picture nomination. He said, "Nobody's talking about driving uh, motherfucking driving Miss Daisy." That film is not being taught in film schools all across the world. Like, do the right thing is. Nobody's discuss, discussing driving Miss motherfucking Daisy. He said that to the Daily Beast in 2015. Not wrong, though we are discussing it right now. But I, his general the point The only people holds. who talk about it are Oscar nuts. That's and it. they're only talking about it in reference to how did it win yeah, over a movie then, like three, do the right like, thing. Yeah, then we have Green Book three years after that. So right. you know so, how we think about that. <laughs> uh, but no, looking at the, when we went through this and then I went looking through the 1989 in film, our favorite TK in film Wikipedia uh, page. So many great movies, Joy. So we'll start there before we go into the the ceremony. And I found one of the things I thought looking at this list and the top grossing movies are a lot of like what you would expect from the 80s and 90s. Like, and then, but it also, I think it shows the future of Hollywood in a couple of different ways. You'll have like number two movie of the year was Batman. So like a big superhero movie that obviously like kind of like reignited i think hollywood's interest in superhero movies i would say that w- that was because that came out june 19th 
right or or mm-hmm. it came out in june I, I think batman returns came out june 19th but this this was oh no i'm looking maybe, right now it is june 19th you're right on the money uh no no june that 23rd. was the premiere. so june 23rd yeah so june 19th 92 was batman returns which right. i think is better than batman but anyway i think this was the first real like summer superhero blockbuster yes um and then you know obviously we had multiple batmans after that and then batman and robin kind of killed it all and then it sort of came back with X-Men on July 14th, 2000. Right. I still have the tickets up to that one. I saw that and one too. And then it reached the next level with Spider-Man. Right. So you have this, and then you also have uh, Little Mermaid here, I think like heralding the reigniting of Disney animation. Yeah, the start of the Disney Renaissance. And then you have like, we said like Spike Lee would do the right thing. Michael Moore with Roger and me and Steven Soderbergh with Sex, Lies, and Videotape are three filmmakers who made these like iconic movies that are still probably, I mean, definitely would do the right thing. And I think the other two as well are like seminal, like classic movies and really like kickstarted, I think the 90s uh, filmmaker era, right? Like if you think in the 70s and the 90s, they're more like filmmaker driven or like new voices or like, you know, like younger auteurs or whatever you want to call it. And so like, I think you have all of these things mixing together in 1989 makes it really an interesting year. I don't know. I was like, and I went back and watched some of these joys. I watched uh, Born I know, on the Fourth of July. movies this week. And Sex, Lies, and Videotape. I did um, not do that. Highly recommend both of them. We'll talk about them throughout. But so the highest grossing films of the year, Joyce, in 1989, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, number one with a bullet. Uh, love Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I rewatched this uh, almost two years ago after Sean Connery died, R.I.P., so great film great film so i would say i'm again i'm I'm slightly older than you but i was not going to the movies a lot but this is one we definitely saw i saw as a kid i was uh i guess when did it come out i was probably like well, 10 <laughs> i know but what what month i mean came out in the summer i believe right oh uh, yeah it was i think it was may yeah it was may may so i was a 10 year old i saw this I think I actually probably saw it in Manhasset. it seems like <gasps> wow remember there's a multi there's a three the three it's still, uh, there. still there yeah it's uh, Nice theater. I don't. I haven't been there in, in 25, 30 years, but it survived the pandemic. I still see it. So that was nice. Uh, but Indiana Jones, great movie. I love it so much. I, I'm a big Indiana Jones fan. I actually think they're all of value except for uh, Crystal Skull, though I think Crystal Skull is not as bad as people think, though it just doesn't work as well as the other ones. It's another case of me, you know, it had been so long since the 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 previous one, the third one, that I'm just like, I don't need this right now. I mean, I did see it in a theater when it came out. 14. But these three together, I think, are a great trilogy, and they're all, like, really, like, to me, I, I think a lot of people in the consciousness maybe are like, Temple of Doom is not good, but it actually is awesome. It's so dark and, like, very good. But this one is great, and it's all because of Connery and Harrison Ford are incredible together. Their chemistry is so good. Connery absolutely rules. I think he's so fun. Good. And, like, you know, he didn't want to do it because he's only... 12 years older than Harrison Ford <laughs> <laughs> and it's so good he's so good the and, and again like you you chose wisely he chose poor like just iconic stuff memes before memes Joyce there was a Pepsi we, commercial we named the dog Indiana we named the dog Indiana and they made a Pepsi commercial about the guy the ancient uh, guy drinking out of the wrong cup right it was like you have chosen wisely or poorly right when you don't drink Pepsi anyway Indiana Jones a great movie Batman uh love Batman Batman also iconic for the insane deal that Jack Nicholson struck for it. <laughs> so Billy Crystal makes reference to that in his very, very problematic monologue. Um, but one of the things that made me laugh is he he got a big laugh in the room and I actually laughed at this too at home. Jack is so rich, 
John Peters still cuts his hair. Just an incredible joke. I feel like really good. You know, now, you know, people now know who John Peters is too. Yes. Yes. Come back around. It yeah. has. Uh, that was a joke for the room. And now it's for everybody because we know who John Peters is. Yeah. Uh, but-, but yeah, Jack, he just, you know, big, big time ball in here. He wanted, you know, to be top build over Batman himself, Michael Keaton. So I actually rewatched both Batman and Batman Returns like two weeks ago, just because I had nothing to watch. So I, I mean, great movies. Yeah. Hold up. Um, um, great art direction, which had won at the ceremony. I- um and yeah great performance by jack but he just had this insane deal where it was like you know top billing and then he had like a specific schedule he would only work a certain amount of days and he would get like time off for the lakers games and then he got a specific percentage of the back end so he made i think like 60 million after the fact yeah I think Billy makes a reference to the Lakers thing too, because when Jack comes out to present best picture, he's like, good thing. There's not a sport. Uh, there's no games tonight. Cause otherwise Jack would not be here. Basically. Yeah. Uh, I, I love Batman. I love, I remember the ending is so great when they, he dropped the Joker falls off the roof or whatever they're on. And like, he's dead, but he's still laughing. And it kind of like zooms on in his face. That was like one of the first movies where I was like, wow, that's such a twist. It's like pretty twisted. Cause you're not like, it's going to come back up. Right. Like, I just think it's like, so it's just like a really, really good movie. I really enjoyed uh, Batman, the original Batman back yeah. to the future. Part two is number three. Joy saw that in the theater. That was, um, on AMC the other day. So I kind of, I watched it on mute. <laughs> good movie. I, I, I'm here for back to the future too. I, I, I very much like it. And it was one of those movies where it ends where it's like, you got to come back in like six months to see the finale. Great finale. I mean, great ending of those two. I think three is like mixed to me, but like two is really good. Yeah, um, I I like that. I I didn't so I was four in 1989, so I didn't see any of these movies in the theater or really at the time. So I saw a lot of these later on. Right. So I don't remember when I saw Back to the Future. Too, look who's but, look yeah. look who's talking is four. I saw this one at home. Loved it. I saw this one in indoor day nice. um, at school. So they, I think they played, maybe they played all three. I don't know. I, they definitely played two of them, like the first two in indoor day in school. So that's really, I, I, I just remember watching it. And I'm just, I was like, so blown away that like they had voices. <laughs> so funny. Uh, I love Bruce Wilson. This obviously is great. I think it's a good comeback before the comeback for John Travolta, who had been like, kind of like not doing as much. Here's the alley was really fun. It's just a good movie. A uh, very, very enjoyable movie. Uh, George Siegel, I think is great. His line readings are all awesome. I still like kind of hear his voice is like so good. I just think he's got a great voice. Uh, Dead Poet Society, Joyce, a different time, made $235 million worldwide. Now it would be uh, direct to Hulu, probably, for Disney. Uh, a very nice movie. I <laughs> watched this eight years ago after Robin Williams died. So I, so yeah, like like many people, I rewatch films after sure. actors die. So yeah, that's why right. I rewatched it. But yeah, um, you know, this is a, it's a good subdued performance from him. Oh, Captain, like, my uh, captain. Yeah. And he's also like sort of supporting in it too, because it's like really about the boys. The boys. Yeah. Uh, it was, it, to me, in my mind, it goes together with like school ties and like even like something like taps where it's like a bunch of kids in school, a bunch of up and coming actors, and then like, you know, an older guy or whatever, a star. Um, mm-hmm. Little Mermaid, I did not see at the time, I don't think, but I've rewatched it since with my daughter. Totally fine movie. The music is good. 
Um, yeah, great music. Part of Your World should have been nominated instead of Kiss the Girl. Um, I, I watched this in the theater when it was re-released in 1997. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, number seven is Lethal Weapon 2. Uh, good movie. Saw it at home diplomatic immunity and then he shoots the guy right in the head if i remember correctly this ends with like murtaugh uh riggs is riggs is mel right and then murtaugh is uh is danny glover he's getting too old for this shit uh if i remember correctly riggs this is another movie where i was like huh he completely gets killed but they don't kill him off basically like i think the original movie the original version of this was that he gets killed in this in this movie but then they bring him back because they have to make two more to much diminishing returns he he gets shot, right? A by, lot, if I remember. Yeah, Mar- um, Amel gets shot by um, Joss Ackland, yes. who is Hans in the Mighty Ducks. Trilogy. Correct. So, yeah. Uh, oh, here we go. Director Richard Donner said in the Blu- Blu-ray commentary that it was shot in a way so it could be edited with two different endings, one in which Riggs dies and one in which he lives. Audiences and test screenings responded well to Riggs' survival, and that was kept. Though the last shot in the film with the camera moving away from Murtaugh holding Riggs was shot from the ending for which, in which he dies. Uh, great Joe Pesci's in this, if I remember correctly. And they, they fuck you in the drive-thru, right? Isn't that his big thing here? Or is that in three? You get confused. They kind of run together. I mean, I haven't seen these in forever, so I don't remember. Um, because they do love to like screw you over the drive-thru, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, this taught me what diplomatic immunity was. Great uh, learning experience for me watching it at home on VHS as an 11-year-old probably. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was number eight at the box office. Sure. Rick Moranis. I, this was another um, indoor day movie for me. So that's when I saw that. And I, again, was just like completely wowed by the size difference. (laughs) Pretty cool. Uh, Ghostbusters 2, a disappointing sequel, but still there nonetheless. Definitely saw this. and then I remember the last time I watched this. Oh my god. I don't remember the last time I watched it, though. I will say uh my daughter loves the Statue of Liberty and loved the scene where they could where it walks. And this movie ends with like they they happily get the Statue of Liberty to walk because they need a, a u- moment of unity of the city to like tem- stem back the tide of negativity, like the, the pink slime monster. No recollection of this so like I think like in um like without <laughs> looking this up, I think what the movie is about is like there's like a New York the there's like a, a undercurrent of like primordial uh, goo ghost nonsense that's running under the city and it thrives on negativity and bad vibes and so i guess that's like the joke of the movie is like new york is a terrible place and everybody's mad so they need to like combat that by having like something happy happen so they like ignite the statue of liberty and have it walk across the river and then like into the city and people are like going nuts anyway it's a pretty cool effect it's on youtube i show it to my daughter sometimes because they play like uh your love is lifting me higher i think is the song that they play during it i will not be looking that up you're not gonna youtube it not gonna go do that okay and then number 10 at the box office choice again a different time born on the 4th of july well i just rewatched this this is the most uh what a depressing audience unfriendly movie i would say uh and it's just amazing that it made so much money and actually heartening because again like that people used to go to the movies to see stuff that was a pretty thought-provoking and maybe not providing you with like the the mainstream narrative of at the time right like it's like all about how like we were the country lied a whole generation of men into the Vietnam War and got them all killed and paralyzed and how terrible it is. It's an adult movie. It's it is. Like, yeah. 
So uh, I really like this budget adult movie. Yeah, I really, really like this movie. Uh, Oliver Stone in the midst of a great run of movies. Uh, now a total joke, it seems, right? But like he had a run here. I'll just read off the run he had as I load up another page, Joyce. But uh, <laughs> he had, I, I believe it was, let's see. Uh, from a directing standpoint, Wall, a Platoon 86, Wall Street 87, Talk Radio, then Born on the Fourth of July, then Doors and JFK in the same year, uh, Heaven and Earth, Natural Born Killers, Nixon. Not a bad run. And then U Turn Any Given Sunday. That's through the 90s. Pretty good. Yeah. Not a good one, two directing Oscars. Yes. So. And uh, that's it. That's the top 10, but that leaves off so many. Movies, Joyce, I wrote down some, as you can imagine. It's a long list. Uh, I'll just read off some of them. Uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You a fan of Bill and Ted? I am. Uh, I have not seen that in a while. have not seen the new one, so. The new one is uh, not cool. Again, I don't need it, so no. I'm not going to check it out. I don't care. <laughs> Here's one that I rented because I was like, I love, uh, I love this guy because he was so fun and big, and then it's like very dark, The Burbs. I don't know if you've seen that one. I've seen that. I uh, have not watched that. Uh, Police yeah. Academy 6. You'll be surprised to know I was a big Police Academy fan as a kid. I'm not really into Police Academy. I don't even know if I've seen all of them. Uh, here are some, uh, a, couple, a couple more. Uh, Heathers. Yes, Heathers. Great movie. Did not see it at the time, though. I probably saw it when I was in high school. It was a little too edgy, probably, for me as an 11-year-old. I probably saw that, like, when I was, like, 10 or 11 or something. Now, here's a movie that I've watched a hundred times, certainly as an 11-year-old and even now today, and I've watched it recently, uh, Major League. Absolutely love it. No notes. A Great perfect movie. movie. Just a perfect movie. Uh, and, and like, yeah, not, not like, well, also not the 90s, but like not a kid sports movie. No. But still a great sports movie. Uh, very, very good sports movie. So funny. So many great performances and characters. I just think the movie works really well. It made the Indians, uh, at the time, the well, Indians, now the Guardians. Guardians. <laughs> uh, an underdog, I felt like, of epic proportions that people were like really into them after this movie. Like, I think it, it created uh, a fan base for, for the, the Cleveland team. It, it, it's also weird because I feel like, you know, like our people like in our age range who grew up with that, like, know of this movie and watch it and stuff but i felt like you know in like 2016 when the the then indians almost won the world series yes. i felt like not a lot of people knew this reference because i would mention major league to people and it would be like oh yeah like i forgot about that movie and like some of my uh, old co-workers had never wow heard of it they, that, they, a that breaks my heart side. yeah it's sad um Say Anything, another movie I did not see at the time, but I really love, Cameron Crowe, a uh, classic. One of my friends was obsessed with this movie and she she would draw, like in when we had art, she would draw, you know, him holding up the boom box. Good, it's a good moment, great moment. Uh, we'll come up again here as we're doing like alternate Oscar dream fantasy ballots and picks, for me at least. Field of Dreams, Joyce, I gotta say, never a big fan of this movie. Is that blasphemy? Um, I like it, but I know a lot of people who are obsessed with it. I, I considered rewatching it after Ray died. Yeah. And I didn't. <laughs> I'm just like, there are so many other baseball movies I prefer, including Major League, including uh, The Natural, including Little Big League and The Rookie of the Year. And I know that these are well, like- Well, we know the best movies. one is The Sandlot. So. And The Sandlot and Field of Dreams. I'm just like, I get it. 
but like it just did not do it for me. It still I, was never done well, it for me. Well, you kind of voiced the the divisive opinion um, as uh, Inside Oscar documented. Like a lot of people like really loved and were into it, and then other people were just like, "No, this is like this not it." Yeah, it's just totally fine. I don't know. I like my sports movies. You know what I like my sports movies, Joyce, with like a big uh, a team going for something, even if they lose. And this is not that movie. It's not about the sports. No, it's not about that. And it's obviously not realistic, right? Right. I mean, that's fine. I, I could suspend yeah. the disbelief, I guess. And I mean, yeah, like that that conceit is fine. But I think I think a lot of people, like the people who really love it, they just love like the emotional stakes of it. Like they're that's what they're pulled in. It's a great dad movie. It is. Like, that and I, you know, I love dad movies, but I just don't like it. I don't know what it is. I, maybe I should rewatch it. I'll probably, I'll report back and say I weep through the whole thing. But I mean, a, you do cry at everything. So I'm shocked. I know, but I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I just couldn't get, I never got into it. Never once. Uh, here's one that I saw 40 times. Completely inappropriate movie. I wonder, I wrote it down. I'm like, I don't even know if Joyce has ever even heard of this. Lover Boy with Patrick Dempsey. Extra anchovy. I've, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Patrick Dempsey plays a pizza delivery guy who becomes a male escort. He's on home from college. And the women he sleeps with include Carrie Fisher, who I knew from Star Wars, obviously, and some other people. And then uh, he ends up almost go, his mother ends up calling him in. This is a great era of like uh, guys almost sleeping with their moms from Back to the Future style, right? So like, it doesn't like consummate, obviously, but, uh, and then, he had to beat up and all these different things happening. Great movie. I watched it on HBO a hundred times. I've never seen it since, since I was probably like 13. So I have no idea how bad it is or good it is or whatever. No one's even heard of it, but there you go. Um, do you know my 89 movie that no one has ever heard of? What is it? Her Alibi. Oh, you know what? Her Alibi. I remember seeing the poster at Blockbuster all the time. I'm going to look it up now just to see. Uh, directed by Bruce Beresford also, who had Driving the Stages this year, obviously. So I have not seen this in decades, like literal decades, but I remember watching it like on TV at some point when I was a kid and it stars um, Tom Selleck, Paulina mm-hmm. Boroskova and William Daniels, who I knew as Mr. Feeney from yes, Boy Meets World, obviously. So this is the best part of the story. So um, there is now a Boy Meets World rewatch podcast that launched okay. in hosted by Daniel Fischel, Wilfredell and Ryder Strong. So great, highly recommend it. Um, a lot of good stuff there. A very spicy episode with David Trainer, the director who did the first two seasons. But anyway, they've already had William Daniels on. Um, and they, so after the, the interview, like the three of them are talking and Wolf Riddell's like, I forgot to bring up one of my favorite movies of his, Her Alibi. And, and then like Danielle's like, oh my God, like I've never seen it, but I have like a funny story because like her, she said her parents had rented it and it was like on the table one day and her brother walked by and was just like, what's her Alibi? So that became their family running joke. Like they just say her Alibi. So ever since that episode, every time I see the word alibi, I just say in my head, her Alibi because of That's it. That's awesome. But that was yeah, one- it's Tom Selleck. He's this um, writer and, and William Daniels is his uh, friend and a uh, literary agent. But basically- he uh, he needs to write his next book, like his next big hit, you know. And Paulina Poroskova uh, <laughs> is accused of murder. And then he, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like love at first sight. And then he believes like she's innocent. So then he like 
pretends like he is her alibi to like you know bail her out of jail basically and then like they live together so then it's just like oh is she or is she not innocent I don't know so it's like that type of stuff but this is a great era for movies like that I wrote down another one that I watched a lot was who's Harry Crumb similarly like a mystery kind of like comic mystery thing I guess like sort of like that one uh John Candy this is when John Candy was alive and awesome like in every kind of thing really great Joyce, I could read off a thousand other movies here because I wrote down a lot, but I just want to flag a few more. None of these I watched as a youth, uh, as a as a ten year old, but I've definitely seen them a lot in this time since. Obviously, I'd like do the right thing. Uh, when Harry Met Sally was is a great movie. I would mention it here. I'll mention it a lot later. But I love When Harry Met Sally. I think it's like an excellent movie. So When Harry Met Sally is sort of like my feel of dreams. Like I like it, and I think it's a good movie, but I'm not obsessed with it. Like, so I, I I feel like so many people are infatuated this movie and sometimes when you know someone says like let's watch when harry met sally i'm like i don't really want to but sure (laughs) um i so maybe it's because i came to it late like that's one i didn't really watch a lot as like a kid because i was just like who cares but now i'm like i've watched it as like more of an adult and i'm like oh it's really good and i just love billy it's like funny to remember that billy crystal is actually like a good actor and like really funny yeah, like I, I think it's a good movie and I like him and Meg Ryan in it. Um, but I don't know. Like I feel like it's there's a lot of hyperbolic enthusiasm for it. I guess I think that's probably true. Uh, uh Sex Lies and Videotape, definitely did not watch this as a as a kid, not even as a teen, probably, but as an adult I've watched and it, it's excellent. And I will talk about it again because I rewatched it last night. Uh you can't really find it. I had to get it off of YouTube. I, I had to buy it with human dollars, Joyce, off of YouTube. Wow. So it wasn't even like a ripped version. No. Well, I tried to find the ripped. If, 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 I did not. I did not try to find a ripped. Wink. But I, I couldn't find it anyway. I bought it, so it doesn't matter. Uh, great story. Crimes and misdemeanors. It's canceled now because Woody Allen. But that was like a great Woody Allen movie, I think, and like a definite uh, Woody that's, Allen that's doing serious stuff of of this era. Yes. It's like I'd say put this. And Hannah and her sisters on like the same level for me uh, at the time. I think this is like great, a great run of his stuff. Uh, War of the Roses, Joyce. You ever see that movie? I have, but not in a very long time. So here's another one that I definitely was like, I think the way it was sold in the trailer and seeing it at Blockbuster, it's like, here's a funny movie where where two guys, you know, Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas, you loved them in Romancing the Stone. They're going to be doing goofy stuff. And then you watch it. And it's like a horrible, depressing uh, divorce anti-comedy, basically. And I remember watching it and being like, I'm way too young for this and do not enjoy it at all. <laughs> so, But you know, seen. directed by Danny DeVito. So, yes. uh, The movie Glory, uh, good movie. Definitely was like a movie that we watched in school, I feel like, on like a rainy day. That kind of movie? That, that was your indoor movie? <laughs> I think it like well, like if you're in class, you know what I mean? Like not like a summer camp movie. Like a, you know. Um, I don't remember the last time I watched this one either, but yeah, no. it's a really good movie. Um so and that's all I got. What else do you got? Any other ones that I, I have I Uncle about? Buck, another mm-hmm. I love that movie. Um, great Macaulay Culkin performance in it. And like when they're grilling that scene in the kitchen when like they're grilling each other, him and John Candy, like that was basically what secured him home alone. Yes. Yeah. Love it so much. Yeah. Um, Parenthood, the movie, which uh, I, the, the, the 2010 sh- series is better than this movie. I agree. We've been rewatching the 2010 series, Joyce. It's on Hulu, a uh, plug for Hulu. Uh, really good show. Just, I, I just really like it. It's, it's a great show because it mixes a lot of shows that you like. So it's like Six Feet Under and Gilmore Girls and 
you know, whatever else, Friday Night Lights style stuff. And it's just really pretty solid. I, I agree. The movie, another movie that I was like, should be more funny. And I remember watching it because I'm like, I love Steve Martin. And I think Rick Moranis is in that too, right? Doesn't he play one of the parents? Um, Let me look. Yeah, he is. And it's just like, just not that funny. More adult. Um, yeah, I just like, I, I don't know, maybe because like the show is just, you have more runway to explore the dynamics, but like, it's, it's just like a fine adult movie, I felt like. Yeah, it's a good uh, movie. I, I watched that at some point. Um, so then, you know, like the initial series uh, flopped. And then, so then when they were rebooting it in 2010 and they went through a lot of, um, you know, delays because Mara Tierney was originally cast, but yes. she had breast cancer. So she had to drop out and it was recast of Lauren Graham. Um, so I was, yeah, I was kind of like, oh, is this really going to work? But yeah, the show was really good. It's really fun. I, I, it's, I just really like it. And the movie is uh, fine, but just not, and I love, uh, obviously love Steve Martin, but not, not, a, not a fave. Um, Teen Witch, a cult classic. I've like never seen Teen Witch. I know people really like that wow. movie though. Um, yeah, one of my friends is obsessed with this movie, but yeah, it's, it's basically they wanted to do the, the girl version of Teen Wolf. Right, so, makes yeah. sense. Um, and then Weekend at Bernie's, obviously. Weekend at Bernie's, love, uh, love those guys. Love Andrew McCarthy and uh, Jonathan Silverman. Just great chemistry. So funny. So this movie I completely forgot about that I had even seen until I was like going through the list of 89 releases, but The Package. <laughs> I don't know that one. Which is that? And Tommy Lee Jones, also directed wow. by Andrew Davis. Wow, look at that. Fugitive. Yeah, I com- have no memory of watching this film, but like, I know I've seen it, but I don't, like no one talks about this movie. So I've like, no. forgotten in a way that it's like in the recesses of my mind that I've seen this movie. So I cannot tell you the plot of this movie. Maybe. I just know it was like set in the cold war, um, but both Gene Hackman and Tommy Jones. Um, I remember again, another one, I remember the video box. Mm-hmm. Um, Miracle Mile, which I saw uh, I know that one either. later on, um, it stars uh, Anthony Edwards, um, mm-hmm. who, I knew obviously from ER. Yes. Dr. Green and also Mayor Winningham. They're now married. And she was also on ER. So that's that was why I watched it because I was like, these two people from ER. So this is what I do when I like like a show or like actors from a show. And then I just seek out stuff they're in. So that's why I watched it. It's awesome. Um, yeah. And what else is there? Uh, the other um, one I wrote down I didn't mention was uh, Christmas Vacation. Big fan of that. Again, I'm not really into National Lampoon. Um, so I, I like that one a lot and I was into those three movies uh, pretty funny oh Karate Kid Part 3 yes is that uh, Hillary Swank or is that no that's the next Karate Kid got it. sorry the, the fourth one the, the fourth one um, and then All Dogs Go to Heaven sure yes so, so Joy so now well, let's go to the, the 62nd annual Academy Awards the first ceremony of 1990 it took place Monday March 26th 1990 clocked in at three hours and 37 minutes, minutes, a brisk time that was still 18 minutes longer than the previous year. Um, well, it almost lived up to its theme, which was around the world in three and a half hours. Correct. And uh, 40 million people watched, about down about 2 million viewers. 
uh, yeah, they made a big deal. This was, uh, this was at the time, at least according to Billy Crystal, the biggest year in Hollywood history. Hollywood went global in 1989. Joins the billions of uh, 50 billion or whatever the numbers they cited, billions of dollars. You know, uh, movies were only made in Los Angeles and basically America until 1989. Did so, you know that? Right. So uh, they send everybody around the world. You have uh, people in London, in Russia, Jack Lemon. They roll out. So in, the, in Mother Russia, the opening of this is great. Before they even get to like the red carpet, or is it? No, it's before they get to the red carpet. So yeah, so in LA, it's 6 p.m. East yes. Coast, 9 p.m. Yes. So then they say, by satellite from London, England, where Big Ben just struck 3 a.m. Tuesday morning. Yes. And Mel Gibson and Glenn Close are there yes. with yes. a party of people who just want to fall asleep. It's incredible. Mel yeah. Gibson, is, they're both filming Hamlet, I believe. Yeah, and then there's a lot of jokes uh, about like Kenneth Branagh because Henry V nominated and- and Mel is doing a British accent combined with an Australian accent. Yes. And it's incredible to watch because it's just like, this is not what Mel Gibson sounds like. So he's like in character, but not in character. It's very strange. And Glenn's hair is amazing. Just just wild. They, like I said, they're in Russia with uh, Jack Lemmon. They flew Charlton Heston to Buenos Aires, I believe. Yeah. So they say from Moscow, Russia, where Russian film stars have gathered just two blocks from Red Square. Yes. From Sydney, Australia, where it is already 12 noon tomorrow. Yes. Brian from Brown Tokyo, was there. Japan and a motion picture soundstage with some very special people. Yes. From Buenos Aires, Argentina, where the Argentinian film community is gathered at the famous Teatro Colón. Yes. So this is this ceremony is taking place about six months, I believe, after the Berlin Wall fell. So I think there was like a renewed sense of optimism around the world that like, you know, we're going to have a shared community of global uh, global citizens and and billy references that in his monologue because he's like who would have thought six months ago that the berlin wall would come down um and i have the joke yeah yeah and most incredibly meryl streep would not be nominated this year so what would she have been nominated for joyce um did she have any releases this i year? don't think so I don't think the thing so. i was I... yeah i don't think she had anything this year so uh this is so they did this red carpet ceremony we, we usually go through uh I didn't write down very many. I know you usually write down a lot. It, it's um, it's pretty uh, run of the mill with like the celebrity's name. They'll just be like, you know, best actress nominee, blah, blah, blah. Although in a couple instances, they said, I think they said best supporting actor, Martin Landau. Yes, like yes. you have to say nominee. Yes, they did do that. I wrote those down. They also did Martin Landau twice because then the guy goes, another shot of Martin Landau. Yeah, but you know what? Props to him for being quick and recognizing him instead of just staying silent or misidentifying Marlando. A few I wrote down, presenting one of the major awards this evening, Dudley Moore. I believe he does song. Um, the best one, obviously, is supporting actress nominee, Julia Roberts. Those beautiful fresh flowers are all from Holland. Just no period, just run on sentence. Then. Amazing, there's because there's like a wall. Because it's just her walking yeah. through and then behind her is this like large wreath of flowers. Yes. And then it just stays on those flowers. And then it pulls back to show this like archway adorned with flowers. <laughs> and the, the last one I wrote down, because this made me laugh for multiple reasons, director of box office blockbusters, Steven Spielberg. And Steven Spielberg has hair that looks like Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man 3. It's, he had a lot of hair back then. because He had like emo hair, like it, bangs. He so um, this is also the time period because we already did the 90s when he they would just book him to present 
like honorary Oscars or the Thalborg yes. Award. So yes. we've already seen his hair like this before. Yes. It just it it did throw me yeah. off though, Joyce. I'm and not then his lie. his intros on these carpets are always about like how successful he is. Right. Yeah. Um. Oh, I also like the ever popular Tom Selleck. Me too. That was a good. Star one. of Haralibi, of course. Yeah, so. I love Haralibi. Great movie. Uh, so then they go inside. Carl Malden is there, president of the Academy at the time or whatever. Uh, and you know what? He makes a traveler's checks joke, Joyce, which made me laugh. Don't leave home without it, I guess, or whatever it was. I, I don't even remember what it was. What is the, he says something, but he references traveler's checks because that's what he used to do. Mm-hmm. I, I love those commercials. Uh, and he says something here that made me laugh based on how it's been now the ruin of the movie industry, arguably. He goes, wouldn't it be great to imagine films distributed via satellite to homes around the world? Wouldn't it, Carl? Wouldn't it look? What hath you wrought? They just had no idea what was coming. Oh, now we get 50 million movies. They're at home. No one's paying attention. There's too many things. No one wants to go to the theater. It's a strange new world. But Carl Malden couldn't have imagined what would happen when he was cashing traveler's checks uh, at the time. So Billy Crystal comes out. This is his first time hosting, Joyce. He was uh, selected by Gil Well, as we know, the previous year, Snow White. There was no host the previous year. Uh, they had the infamous Snow White opening with, with Rob Lowe. And Billy references that right at the top. Aren't you glad? Are you, ju- are you just glad I'm not Snow White? Yeah, well, they also booked Gil Cates to produce yes. um, in light of the Snow White fiasco. And then he obviously recruited Billy. Uh, so you mentioned that Berlin Wall joke. We mentioned the Jack joke. Another, a couple other ones I wrote down. And then just the whole thing is is really problematic and so bad so offensive uh just not great to think that this is the actually i would say of all the ones we've watched outside of the crying game jokes this is definitely his most offensive uh set as a, as a comic host of the oscars maybe we did not do his blackface routine in, in 2012 so i would say that also is not great but these jokes are just rough he makes so many offensive uh jokes about the japanese people because sony had bought columbia he mocks uh, Italians, right? You have that whole section. I think we'll yeah, talk about. Um, he mocks Italians, and um, and the and the, and the Jewish Defamation League, I believe, or Anti Defamation League, also was upset. Yeah, just a, a lot of racist jokes, and even so in the Oscar, they point out how racist his monologue was. So then, yeah, so in the aftermath, um, so his joke was that um, MGM's Leo the Lion would be taking the fifth. Yes. So then a lot of Italian-American groups were angry. Yes. Um, Limousine mogul and George Steinbrenner confidant William Fagazzi of the Coalition of Italian-American Foundation charged the line was, quote, insensitive and inane. The audience clearly rebelled against Crystal's prejudicial remarks. Uh, Italian-American Foundation called it, quote, a cheap shot joke against Italian-Americans. So two days later, 52 congressmen wrote Carl Malden to say, Crystal, quote, soiled the reputations of the 38 members of the United States Congress who are descended from Italian parents and grandparents, as well as 26 million citizens of Italian heritage who live throughout this free and loving land, end quote. And then they demanded an apology, quote, to those who were defamed and affronted by this racist, meanly offered sick joke. If that apology is not forthcoming, we pledge you that millions of Americans will neither forget nor forgive this painful breach, end quote. Wow. So Billy uh, just went into hiding, did not do any press. Um, And then Carl Malden at first uh, did not respond, but then he called the protesters, quote, awfully thin-skinned 
And then the following week, he changed his tune and went on TV to say half-heartedly, quote, if they want an apology, I will apologize if that's what they want. But I don't think there's anything to apologize for, end quote. So A different time when everybody sounded like Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> how they respond to criticism. Um, yeah, not great. It was really bad. And that doesn't even get in. Like I said, the Sony stuff is so bad. He's doing like, just, it's so, I just found it really offensive and not funny. And just like, it's hard to imagine that he got invited back off of this performance because I don't even think he's actually that funny. He got good reviews for this. It's, it's pretty but nuts. I think, I think it's also because it's like, oh, this was so much better than Snow White. Right. And Billy is one of is my, I love Billy Crystal as an Oscar host. I'm not like denigrating him at all. I just think like these jokes were like, not what you want. And like, he came it's, back. It's a and, different like, time. Yeah. Um, I guess that's what it is. And yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's it's like, obviously a lot of people, especially, you know, like all these American groups are offended. And I think people were offended then, but it's just, it's like people like Karl Malden reacting not the way you want to it, right. right? It's like, they're not actually listening because they don't think they did anything wrong because they're still the, like the majority um, you know, white men who run the town. Right. So it's just like, it's a joke, like have a sense of humor, you know, not realizing they're part of the problem. And I guess like, I'm always, I, I guess as, as a, to take the devil's advocate position slightly, if a comedian is going to do what he wants as long, or she wants, if the joke is funny, I think they have more leeway, right? Like, I think you could be more offensive if you're, if the joke is funny sometimes, you know what I, you know what I mean? Like maybe not offensive, but more if the, if the material like warrants the, the reason you're being offensive, I guess. And need, but regardless, these jokes do not hit that threshold. They were not funny. <laughs> so I was like, maybe they were at the time. Like you said, it's a different time and comedy ages poorly, like but immediately. They, I, I so, don't think the, the Italian joke landed at all, right? I don't even think people got it, yeah. honestly. It yeah. just seemed like a little bit of a groan and like whatever. Yeah. Um, a notable thing in the monologue, Joyce, does he says, uh, he talks about uh, Driving Miss Daisy and says that movie that apparently directed itself. So that that's was a his, big, that's his go-to joke when a director is snubbed. So that's that was a big runner of the night, obviously. Driving Miss Daisy, uh, we barely talked about. Not a movie I really watched a lot nor care for that much. I think it's a perfectly fine anodyne movie. Uh, but obviously Bruce Beresford was not nominated for Best Director. And it gets referenced multiple times. Jessica Tandy, who wins Best Actress, references it. Uh, the Xanax, I believe, who win Best Picture, except for as producers, reference it. Uh, it was a, a scandal of the ceremony that he was not nominated. I mean, we can talk more about this, I guess, when we get to best director, but yeah, he, it's, it's just like, I think like everyone knew it was probably going to win best picture, even though at, this was also back at, at the time when it, you just, or it was like understood that you could not win best picture without a directing nomination. Cause now we've, we've had multiple instances in the past decade, but at this time, the, the most recent film that won Best Picture without a direct nomination was Grand Hotel, which right. just got the one nomination for Best Picture. Right. So that was in 31. And yeah, but it was also like, everyone knew that Driving Miss Daisy was going to win Best Picture as well. So it, it felt like it was just kind of like a mistake in a way. Yeah, that, at the same time, I don't think it should have, he should have got nominated. Obviously. No, but, no. but, it, yeah. but it, it would make sense, obviously, for him to be nominated, right? 
Uh, so let's go through the categories as we'll do, and then we can talk about Driving Miss Daisy and all the others. So the best picture nominees of 1990 at the 1990 Oscars were Driving Miss Daisy, which won, Born on the Fourth of July, Dead Poet Society, Field of Dreams, and My Left Foot. Uh, of the movies that most nominations, Driving Miss Daisy had nine, Born on the Fourth of July had eight, My Left Foot had five, Dead Poet Society had four, and Field of Dreams had three. So a lot of uh, major contenders did not rate here in Best Picture. And obviously Driving Miss Daisy won. Now, if we were doing this now, I would, of these, if it was just how to pick these five, me personally would say Born on the Fourth of July should have won. I understand why it didn't win. And it's like off a of platoon. It's kind of like, would be like Casino winning if Goodfellas had won or something like that. Cause it's all in the same theme for Oliver Stone, but it's a great movie. And of these five, I think it's the best movie. Of these five, um, I would probably give it to Born on Fourth of July or Dead Poets Society. Right. Um, I, I haven't seen My Left Foot in ages. No. Also another film that has not aged that well. I don't think so. Um, uh, uh, yeah. But the but, bigger scandal obviously is what was not here, which is Do the Right Thing, Joyce, uh, which was I mean I don't think it would even if it had a field of 10 back then I don't think it would have gone in you know it's funny I have it in literally as number 10 on my fake field of 10 and I only did that because I was like how does it not get in and it got the screenplay nomination so I was like maybe it would have gotten in but it would have been tough uh, they did not respond well to to Spike and I just feel like this year there were a lot of other movies that did generally well that would have gone in before it and then you just have like massive blockbusters like I think like Glory would have gone in Glory seems like it just missed based on how many yeah, nominations it got. It got, it got five got. nominations, obviously yes. one for Denzel. Yes. Um, so I think that I think like Henry the Fifth would have gotten would have absolutely gotten in. I agree. I think uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors would have yeah, gotten crime, in. Crimes and Misdemeanors. So that's already eight, right? That's eight. And then I put Little Mermaid and Do the Right Thing is nine and ten. Yeah. So you could do Little Mermaid. You could also do When Harry Met Sally. Right. Or the abyss which i don't think is a great movie but it was had four nominations and i think it could have gone in on the back of its tech support um i don't mm, but it's not like it's not like a mad max tech support it was just like it had four nominations and one visual effects i yeah, agree but like like who else was going to beat it for visual effects nobody <laughs> well honey i from the kids i guess like you said they, they made them small big and small choice i would have actually um nominated uh um honey i shrunk the kids for uh art direction and mm -hmm. it to that too, even though i i do like the batman win i also wrote down roger and so, me which they completely ignored uh, another also uh, controversial controversial movie not very well received uh by the academy though a classic documentary obviously a firebrand michael moore um so spike lee gets snubbed for do the right thing joyce at the time uh this is after the nominations, Vincent Canby uh, had an article in the Times, 1990, uh, about how Roger and me and uh, Do the Right Thing were both uh, snubbed. He called it, his, his, his theory was the big mouth theory, where it was that Roger, uh, Michael Moore uh, talked and talked and did not have uh, a humility and humbleness. And similarly, Spike, obviously, and the movie is very con confrontational and, you know, kind of like, sparking a debate that people did not want to participate in um th that was his theory and he called it basically like i can't believe 
these movies did not get nominated. Um, <laughs> that also not surprising. Um, he, but... he, Vince Campbell was like, do the right thing, would have seemed to be a shoo-in as a nominee for picture and director. Spike Lee is one of the most aggressively talented young filmmakers to appear in years. Uh, yeah, and also like Spike wanted it. So it, it didn't, so do the right thing did not win any uh, awards at the New York Film Critics Circle, but it won a bunch at uh, Los Angeles. Yes, yes. So then here in Inside Oscar, so he was there accepting um, for Best Picture Director and Screenplay. And then he says, quote, it's gonna help us definitely with the Oscar nominations. This carries a lot more weight than the New York Film Critics Circle. And that's not just sour grapes because we didn't win anything there. 85% of the Academy voting members live here in the LA area. Um, I mean, do whatever I think did win some photography there. So then when they were snubbed outside of, of his screenplay and supporting actor for Danny Aiello, um, he, he told the New York Post, we was robbed. He had a theory, quote, historically, the Academy goes for a different kind of film on Golden Pond, Driving the Stacey, that sort of thing. Morgan Freeman is a great actor, but their comfort level is higher with him, him driving around with Stacey than with Mookie throwing a garbage can through Saul's pizzeria. I'm not gonna slip my wrist. I know this is a film that people will be talking about for 20 years, end quote. Uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So, so he's wrong actually, because we're still talking about it. It's actually like, it is easily one of the best movies of all time, I would say. I don't know how often you've watched Do the Right Thing, Joyce. Are you big? Uh, I'm a I big Spike fan. And Do the Right Thing. Um, and while I would say it's not, while I still put like Goodfellas and The Godfather and Pulp Fiction on my my favorite movies list, I would say Do the Right Thing is certainly in the top ten. I just think it's awesome. It's so. Uh, yeah, it's a great movie. movie. He should have been nominated. He should have been nominated. He said in in 20, 2008, Joyce. This was Spike. Tell me if this sounds familiar to some of the other people we heard from, specifically like a Jodie Foster and Harvey Keitel talking about Martin Scorsese. Here was Spike in 2008. The Oscars' assessment of a movie's quality usually isn't held up by history. That's why they don't matter. Yikes. Uh, so not not he, mincing words there. A, a very rocky relationship with the Oscars. Now, the, one of the things I loved about this ceremony, and this obviously this went viral, I think, in 2019 or whenever for Black when Black Klansman was up, was they have this is a weird show because it's only three hours and 30 minutes, but it felt so padded. So like, there's a part where Billy introduces Arnold Schwarzenegger to come out and talk. So they get like Arnold Schwarzenegger on the telecast. Then Arnold Schwarzenegger, rather than just start introducing a best picture nominee, throws to Kim Basinger to come out and introduce the first of the five best picture nominees. Yeah. And then she goes off script and so she jumps for do the right thing and shames the cameras for nominating it. <laughs> an incredible moment. We've got five great films here, she says, and they're great for one reason, because they tell the truth. But there's one film missing from this list that deserves to be on it, because ironically, it might tell the biggest truth of all, and that's do the right thing. The thing that's crazy about this is later she references this in her like pre-written remarks. So I almost wonder, like, I was like, did she read those pre-written remarks and was like, F this, it's like not truth if it's not do the right thing. That's what I take of how she came to this, because this was not scripted and this was off book. No, and then people were upset, obviously. And then in Inside Oscar, um, they talk about uh, all the, the after parties, like Governor's Ball and everything. And she says that she like basically walked into the Governor's Ball and immediately left because she was basically a pariah and no one would talk to her. So she's like, I'm just going home. So she said, no one, no one would touch me, like talk to me at all. So, so I found an interview with her from Movie Line back in the way back when. I don't even know what year it is, but it's after this. 
And they said, uh, she said, what, he, what made, the question was, what made you do it? Do it being stumped for do the right thing on the biggest stage possible with 40 million people around the world uh, calling out the Oscars for oversighting one of the most significant movies the last like 50 years. And she says, I never wanted to do it. I never intended on doing it. I don't know what happened to me. I'd seen do the right thing three times and I'm affected by certain films. I don't put anybody up in the high sheets of God's clouds for any reason, but I saw do the right thing. And the one thing I really condone is the truth. Whatever the, whatever the truth is, let it come out. I don't care if you're going to get tarred and feathered. They can kill you, but they can't eat you. So on top of my horrifying, terrifying, out of my mind fear, that was the biggest audience we were ever going to have on the face of the map. This is like getting up in front of 1 billion people. The room is pretty big, as Billy Crystal would say. So I said, let's let the truth get out more than it's been getting out lately. I saw all these nominated films, and I saw that Spike Lee, who I had never met, had done the truest film of all. Take Driving Miss Daisy. I saw something that I'd seen ever since I was a child, the depiction of something about the South that has always irritated me, okay? This is something I couldn't stand. I wasn't standing up for Blacks or Whites or any color. I was just saying, guys, you are all liars. You are leaving out another truth here. I didn't mean for it to be a shocking thing. Uh, way to go, Kim Basinger. I can't believe she did that. It's really shocking to me still, even watching it. And also, like, yes, she dragged them, but what she did was pretty moderate too yeah it she didn't like, I mean, like, like cursing them out or anything like yeah she shamed them but it, i think it's also justified and it's also again a different time that no one would talk to her afterwards because if she had done that now everyone would be like yes queen it, it would be like uh natalie porton saying the all-male directors at the yeah Globes. yes exactly yeah i will i will say the reason it's funny you're right she didn't say anything inflammatory honestly she just said it should have gotten nominated the reason people are upset is because they knew they effed up right like you they're shamed yeah, because yeah. they knew they did wrong <laughs> that's why they're ashamed and then they people also don't like being told yes. that or like being suggested that they're racist it's right. like I like, I don't think most of them or most people are intentionally racist. They're just not aware of their microaggressions. Right. And this is, this is a movie that I think nowadays would have won best picture. I think it would have easily won. I mean, it would definitely win screenplay. Yes. Though I got to say that list of screenplay nominees is awesome. And of course the least uh, compelling it's one. It's a good is. list. We'll get to that. Uh, it goes the to the best picture nominee. Yes. Um, so anyway, that was the best picture race. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like I said, it seems easy to fill in. And then the, the eight, I don't know if do the right thing would have made it. I could have seen Batman getting in or Indiana Jones. I think Batman, they should have actually rated higher throughout the whole ceremony. It feels like they discounted it a little bit based on its nominations. Um, yeah, but it's also, you know, a superhero film. So I don't know. Like, I know, I know. Action I would get at that point anyway, but yeah, it's like, it was always, Driving the Daisy, like it didn't win any critics awards, but then it was just like it won the the comedy or musical yes. globe. So both it and Born on the Fourth of July did well in the globes. This is basically the only major precursor that right. like the general public could see because SAG didn't exist yet, right. and you know there's also not a billion like random critics awards groups like there is now. So, um, but yeah, this is just like I, I also think you know even though I don't think Driving Miss Daisy should have won and it's not a great movie. And obviously I understand why it won. I think it's legacy would be slightly better if it had not won or come out the same year as Do the Right Thing. Yes. If it's it was 1989. films. Yeah. And then they chose the wrong one. But again, it's just like we've talked about 
you know, I'm, I'll, I'll invoke my treatment show theory again. It's like, they go for the easy stuff, the emotional play, right? right. It's like, this is like a film. I mean, it, they're basically both addressing racism, right? Broadly in right. very different ways. One of them, do the right thing, challenges you. And people don't like that. Like they don't right. want to think, they want to be handheld. And uh, Driving Miss Daisy is a film that is, it's the crowd pleaser. It's a film they feel good about and makes them feel good that it's sort of making a statement, but it, it, but it goes about it with, with a very gentle touch. Like it's barely scratching the surface, but it presents itself as important because it's like, you know, you have a, a, a black man driving this like old white lady, but like in the movie, he never even confronts her about anything, you know? Right. And, and you don't know anything about Morgan Freeman's character. It's, yeah, it, it's just like, it, it's the easy sell and especially at, at this time. I would say the only difference I think in your analogy there is Do The Right Thing is incredibly entertaining and very funny. And that's why I think it actually, they, the way they discounted it, it's not like the Truman Show, like, you know what I mean? Like if you're looking like Coda versus no, but, Power but of the Dog like, or like Roma well, versus Green. The comparison is more that it's not like Jim Carrey's comedies where right. it's just like you sit there to laugh and be entertained right but i think you do like i think do the right thing is like that it is entertaining but it's, it's also really presenting racism you know very like in your face and then right. there are riots and then like in, in the initial reviews of the movie like people were worried that yes. real riots were going to start because of this movie <laughs> that was david denby right uh, if i remember or who was it choice it was joe klein joe klein Apologies, David Denby. Uh, no, not- David Denby had, had um, I mean, after, you no, know, he had some nice things to say. He after. had some nice things. I got confused. The joke line, uh, very problematic review that Spike still references um, and totally has aged, aged like milk immediately, I feel like. No, people so at the David time Denby, were like, this is nuts. David Denby in New York Magazine um, said the best picture winner was, quote, a dream whose innocence and charm cannot conceal that the white character has all the power. This movie provides an image of a black man that a white audience can feel comfortable with. For many whites, it may be the only kind of relationship with blacks that they can feel at ease with, end quote. So say, you can say the same thing about Green Book. Yeah, it, it's a very comparable to Green Book, though I would say it's interesting that these Driving Miss Daisy and, and uh, Do the Right Thing are superior movies to Green Book and Black Landsman. I like Black Landsman, but it's not, it's not a top echelon Black Do the is Right fine. Thing. Totally yeah. fine. It was just things, stars aligned for him, yes. for Spike to win an Oscar. Yes. And good for that. Uh, best director, Joyce, we said Oliver Stone wins his second best director Oscar in four years uh, for Born on the Fourth of July. I think it's an incredible film. Uh, it's so good. He's directing is amazing. Woody Allen for Crimes and Misdemeanors, Peter Weir for Dead Poets Society, Kenneth Branagh for Henry V, and Jim Sheridan for My Left Foot were the other nominees. Obviously, Bruce Beresford famously not nominated. I put him in and Phil Alden Robinson as alternates because they both have the best picture nominees that were not included here in favor of Woody Allen and Kenneth Branagh. I would actually keep Kenneth and bump Jim Sheridan. I could see that for sure. Um, um, but the other people I wrote down, obviously Spike, not going to happen. Uh, Steven Soderbergh for Sex, Lies, and Videotape, incredible debut feature. It's so good. Not going <laughs> to happen, but it's like incredibly good. And I think nowadays that would have gotten a big push. I think he could have been like the upstart auteur 
getting in without a picture nominee? So the interesting thing about Bruce Beresford snub is that he was never nominated anywhere. It wasn't like no. he hit DGA or the Globes or won a Critics Prize and then got snubbed here, which we've seen happen to many people, right? He was just like never in a conversation for even a nomination. Like no one was nominating him at all. And it's just, it's crazy because like we've seen over and over again, like directors of best picture front runners or like a top three film get nominated for less basically. Like, I, I don't think his direction, like I wouldn't award his directions movie, but it's like Driving Miss Daisy was gonna win and it just feels like it could have pulled him along. Yes. Or at least one nomination somewhere, but he was not nominated anywhere. It, it's just pretty crazy. shocking. What did, in the inside Oscar, did they say, and you read, I don't, I still am learning how to read. So I don't have, and no, I don't it have was the book. Just, it, they, they don't delve into that at all. It was just like, oh, I got 10 nominations, but nothing for Bruce. And so then initially people were like, oh my gosh, you know, like you can't win without a best picture or a best director nomination, but they don't really go into any like theories as to why. Right. Um, he wasn't nominated anywhere. Mm. Like, what? why do you think he wasn't nominated anywhere? It's so weird. It's when very it was strange. Like a hit movie and like steamrolling basically. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't I don't actually understand it. And especially because like you said, like Jim Sheridan, I mean like Drive Stacy's perfectly anodyne movie. Like I said, it's totally fine. Like yeah. he could have like, easily gotten in. Homeless, that's why it won. Like, right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's so weird that they just never touched him at all and then two other people i wrote down would be uh tim burton for batman and steven spielberg for last crusade but obviously they would never happen but i mean last crusade is a great movie and it is spielberg at the time not necessarily a shoe-in for for a director nominations so if bruce were here <clears throat> he would win i don't think he would i think oliver stone would still win i think they would split but I also feel like they just like Driving Miss Daisy more. They like Driving Miss Daisy more, but they know that Four on Fourth of July is actually a more important movie, I think. And it's I think it's about something. And it's about, and Oliver Stone is actually like the author of that. I, I think he would have won. It was a very well-liked movie. It made a ton of money. And like, I think he would have won. Yeah, but like, it's also like they, <clears throat> like Driving Miss Daisy beat it in screenplay as well. True. I don't know. I think he would have won. I still think he would have won. Like, I don't I think, think he could have just swept, even if he just made it in at the Oscars. I don't think so. I, yeah, I think they just, they just, because the other thing about Born on Fourth of July, even though it's an important movie, it's also more of a downer. Yeah, but that's why I think it maybe would win because it's like looked at more as an important like filmmaker artifact. I think that I think they would just go for it's like you know Jessica won, right? Like the the screenplay won, the movie was. Awesome. You think he would just won? He would just sweep. Amazing. Like I think if he were there, like it's it's like it's like Ben Affleck, like he would have won if he were there. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I don't want to believe it though. <laughs> I mean, good good for Oliver Stone that he wasn't there, so he. Yeah. Second Oscar presented to him by Martin Scorsese, his former teacher. 
Marty doesn't seem very pleased up there, getting well, ready he, to be he, snubbed he for Goodfellas. He just gave people his second Oscar. <laughs> yeah, and he's not gotten any, and Goodfellas is going to come out, and they're still not going to give him one. Uh, right. Best actor, Joyce. Daniel Day-Lewis wins for my left foot, gets a rousing standing ovation. Everyone was pumped. Wow. But- I was actually surprised. They were like, this is the greatest actor we've ever seen. Uh, the other nominees were Kenneth Branagh for Henry V, Tom Cruise for Born on the Fourth of July, Morgan Freeman for Driving Miss Daisy, and Robin Williams for Dead Poets Society. Pretty solid list. Uh, I think Tom is great in Born on the Fourth of July, but it is definitely, he's doing a thing. He's playing a kid from Massapequa. He's very emotional. Uh, there's a whole monologue he has where he just screams penis. I don't know if you've seen ever seen that clip going viral, but it's like, uh, it's, it's a lot of acting and it's also stuff that he's not done really since or before. Cause I feel like he's so focused on his image as a movie star, even like Magnolia or like is a movie where he's like playing off his own movie star image. And this is just like, yeah, full, this, like, is, this is him acting. going DDL method. Yes. Uh, so I'm not surprised he didn't win, but it's a good performance. Um, I wrote down some others. So uh, two guys I think were, probably expected to get in or maybe were at least referenced is Sean Penn for Casualties of War and Matt Dillon for Drugstore Cowboy. We have not talked about either of those films, but Brian De Palma and Gus Van Sant, I don't think they would have gotten in. They're pretty small movies. No, Drugstore Cowboy won some critic stuff for Gus's screenplay. Um, but yeah, that, that was kind of like, you know, Matt Dillon, like, you know, rising from just like yeah. teen stuff into adult fare. Um, uh, I wrote down Kevin Costner for Field of Dreams feels like a pretty easy one since it got a Best Picture nomination. I wouldn't I, have done it. I don't like I the movie. Would not have nominated him for that. But and then Billy Crystal for When Harry Met Sally, great performance. Yeah, that would have been nice. Um, so here's my question. Yes, Jack in Batman. Would you put him in lead or supporting? I have him. He, I have him in supporting. I put him in for supporting. So he was um, nominated, he was in lead, right, in at the Globes? Yeah, he was nominated in lead at the Globes and comedy musical. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, I would put him in supporting too. Now, if you watch the movie, he is kind of the lead. The whole beginning is all about his character. Yeah, like he has a lot of so. just screen time, which is not everything, but there's, like the Joker just has a lot of mm-hmm. agency by on his own, yes. separate from Batman. Yes. Um, so I I don't know. Like I think it could go either way, and I don't think he would have gotten in. But what if he just like split his vote because some people consider him to be lead? I, I think he probably did because I think he would have easily gotten in for supporting, if not. Yeah, like he Especially. just had, like he just had a very large presence in the film. Right. Um, uh, two other people I wrote down, Joyce, tell me what you think. Spike Lee for Do the Right Thing. Obviously, they're not going to nominate. They didn't nominate him or the movie, uh, you know, director or the movie. He is the lead of the movie, though. And I think he's actually a pretty good actor. He, obviously, like, I don't think we think of Spike Lee as an actor, but he was at the time and he was in a lot of his movies in the early days. And he's great in Do the Right Thing. I think it's actually a good performance. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it'll be fine. Um, I, it, it would have been like a lower tier nomination. Yeah. So. And then Matthew Broderick for Glory, I wrote down. Sure. <laughs> I didn't get anybody else. Uh, anybody else on your end? No. Um, but 
yeah, this it, this is interesting because in Inside Oscar, they talk about how this was the tightest race because they thought it could be a three-way between DDL, Tom, and Morgan Freeman. Right. So like you said, I think Morgan Freeman could easily won because there is a huge enthusiasm for Driving Miss Daisy. And I think Tom could have easily won in another year with this performance, even though I don't think it's like a flawless performance. But I think the, no, that, was, that the whole movie is is flawed in general, but it's like good overall. Yeah. And it's like, he's big. He's really going for it. I think Daniel Day-Lewis is like a good mix of like newcomer to the American audiences, though not really, slash like undeniable, like commitment to the performance, kind of recalling like De Niro and Raging Bull. That's what it felt like his win. Yeah. I mean, like we, we know what he does right. for his performances. And here he you know, literally learned how to like paint and write with his left foot and like stayed in a wheelchair. Two wheelchair bound performances here. Right. Um, I think think, like also at this time, there was just a lot more like what DDL does in that movie. Like I think just it, like it's people were more in all of it. Joyce, if Born on the Fourth of July came out the next year when, when, uh, Jeremy Irons wins for Reversal of Fortune, or the year before when Dustin Hoffman wins for Rain Man, does Tom Cruise win Best Actor? I think he could beat Dustin because Dustin had already won. And then he's obviously also in Rain Man. So right. it's like a twofer. Right. So uh, I don't know if he would have beaten Jeremy Irons, even though we've talked about like how that's like a borderline supporting performance. <laughs> it's just interesting because I'm like, it is probably his best shot to have won an Oscar. I don't think he's going to win an acting. Born on the 4th of July. It's, yeah, it's, um, I, I think it's it's the most like Oscar Beatty of his performances. Yeah. I mean, having a wheelchair user and like the, the arc of the character is really great too, because like he is so gung-ho for most of the movie, honestly, he is like pro-American military and the war in Vietnam, even after he comes back and he's paralyzed. And even after he's subjected to such inhumane treatment in like the veterans hospital those scenes are again those no one is watching are, are good i remember thinking like this movie could just be like his recovery so it's like all of those things are like really tough to watch and like he's still even then like supporting uh, the american military and like he's fighting with his family and all these different things and then it just he has a switch flip when he realizes like how basically they were just bamboozled into this war uh, it's a great performance, but yeah, just he kind of just ran into the wrong wrong run of performances, I think. I, I actually think he would have been third here if he did the votes, because I think Morgan Freeman would have easily been second. Of yeah, because how- I think you could also think, like, oh, he'll win eventually. Right. And yeah, I mean, did. he won the Globe, so he and Morgan won the Globes. Um, he obviously gave his Globe back. Tom. Yes, that, he doesn't have that Globe anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, for best actress choice, Jessica Tandy wins. She becomes the oldest best oldest acting winner or best or actress to win. Actress. 80 years old, 292 days. Wow. Yeah, I mean, well, now Christopher Plummer is, you know, right. he was 88 when at the won. time. Uh, so Jessica Tandy wins a uh, nice ovation. The other nominees were Isabella Johnny for uh, Camille Claudel, Pauline Collins for Shirley Valentine, Jessica Lang for Music Box, and Michelle Pfeiffer for the fabulous Baker Boys. Not a not a banner year, I would say, for memorable performances. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, like, they should have done Meg Ryan. I would have also done Sally Field for Steel Magnolias. I wrote both of them down and Andy McDowell for Sex, Lies, and Videotape. So I don't know how we can get the three of them in, but it would have been wonderful, I think, to get them all in. Uh, what about Winona Ride over Heathers? Uh, I don't know about a nominator, but sure. So Steel Magnolia is interesting. So Sally Field definitely is the lead, right? Like, that seems right. And then Julia gets nominated for supporting, which we'll talk about. But I think you could add other women in that as well. Oh, yeah, totally. Do you think that would have been a 10th Best Picture nominee? Maybe, but I it, it could also be like two female skewing. Like, I think part of the reason why Field of Dreams got in is because it's male. It, yes. like, it appeals to guys, right? It's a dad movie. Yeah, yeah. I think that's true. Um, so those are we, I mean, I don't know. I think sure, Jesse Tandy, I'm like, I don't know what to say. Like, great, congratulations. It's just, so Michelle dominated critics she pulled off the rare sweep she did the big three of new york la national society and she also won national board of review so she got those four which basically were the only ones that existed back then right and then so they both won globes so but then it just became obvious that jessica tandy was gonna win because driving miss daisy was the bigger movie yeah and then they just wanted to award this legend of the stage primarily and screen and also i i also do think part of it is like you know she was not in she originated um streetcar named desire on broadway but they didn't cast her in the film version and right. we got it um and won an oscar so i think that might be part of it and yeah but this this was totally a, like a narrative driven win and i think it's you know, now we we think uh, narratives play a, a large part in people's campaigns, but I, a lot of times they still come up short, right? Like like Glenn, you know. Glenn I'm so, actually I think if it was now she wouldn't won. I don't think the Academy is as sentimental as it was then. Yeah, I feel like this was just kind of a case where they actually were sentimental and they were willing to follow through with it. Yeah. Um, for Best Supporting Actor, Joyce, the winner is Denzel Washington for Glory. A great win, a great speech. Loved it Morgan so much. Morgan Freeman was so excited. That's, and that's, this is a, a, that's a, the a, meme, the, the gif. Love you, the, uh, the nominees here are actually like, for performances aside, it's a good list of actors, at least. Uh, Danny Aiello for Do the Right Thing is incredible as Sal. I understand it's probably problematic to single out the one white uh, actor for an acting nomination, though also he is the co-lead slash has a major point in the movie i think i would have still nominated him i could add another do the right thing actor in my alternate picks here as well um jan ackward for driving miss daisy sure uh marlon brando for dry white season doesn't show up and martin landau for crimes and misdemeanors a second straight nomination i had a lot of people written down here alternate wise joyce uh bruno kirby for when harry and sally never would happen but nice performance just want to shout him out for do the right thing i would say like it's like, you could put Spike here as supporting, I guess, though I don't think he would have gotten in. Bill Nunn, I think, would have been the guy to focus on for Radio Rahim. Of all the supporting actors, it's tough. Like, Ozzie Davis is not in it very much. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, the thing is, it's like, it's a great ensemble, but I don't know if I would single out anyone as, like, I would definitely give you an Oscar for this performance. Like, I guess I would just do Bill Nunn. Um, More... I mean, hilariously, John Turturro, I think you could sing aloud too. He's great. It's such a great yeah. foil for, for Mookie. He's such a great character, I think, you know. Um, 
but, but Jack for, for, for Batman. I mean, yes. And then I would do Sean Connery. For- Absolutely. Sean Connery for Indiana Jones. And then, uh, I thought maybe Alan Alda for Crimes and Misdemeanors because he's yeah he won a Critics Award and also so I, would, I would say that Martin Landau is a lead in that movie. I would too, and actually you consider putting him in the lead, and then Alan Alda gets in it supporting. Alan Alda has that great if it bends, it's it's funny, right? If it breaks, it's 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 not. Uh, there, I mean, James Earl Jones for Field of Dreams. I have to imagine he was probably close based on the performance of the film overall. I don't know. Um, I don't know if he, I feel like that was just like a movie they liked and they like, we're not going to nominate any, right? It. you know, it was just like, they, they just really enjoyed that movie. So, uh, and then, yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know. I'm glad Denzel Washington won an Oscar. It's a great performance and like his speech is awesome. I thought, and like, he just was really, it's great seeing young Denzel up there. I just love that moment. Yeah. Um, his first Oscar and then he, he thanks his son yes john david Washington, yes. who was gonna make him an oscar out of clay if yes. he lost so really great uh for for best supporting actress choice brenda fricker fricker excuse me fricker brenda fricker oh, wins, i don't know are you in boston <laughs> i guess so uh she wins from my left foot the other nominees are angelica Houston and lena olin both for enemies a love story a movie i have not thought about in 35 years uh, Julia Roberts for Steel Magnolias and Diane Weiss for Parenthood. Um, sure, I think Rosie Perez is like a no-brainer here for Do the Right Thing, as is Laura San Giacomo for Sex, Lies, and Videotape. And I think those are two egregious snubs to me, but what are you going to do? Yeah, I would do Laura, um, but this was just, it was Brenda's. Um, it, you know, she has like the 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 suffering mom role. Yeah. You know, and she's good in a movie. And I sure. guess you can make an argument for Julia because she's like the up and coming starlet. Yeah. You know, um, but in, in Inside Oscar, they were like, she would have won had a pretty woman uh, been out like during voting. I could see that for sure. I think that's a factual, probably a factual statement. Uh, other person I wrote down was uh, Shirley MacLaine for Still Magnolias. I don't know. Hey, what was um Billy's Shirley joke? Oh, he, he's like, Jessica's, could become the oldest or Jessica Tandy could become the second oldest best actress winner after Shirley MacLaine who's 915. Yes because this was the time when Shirley MacLaine was uh, a noted uh, believer in the uh, reincarnation and past lives. There's a great bit in Defending Your Life. You ever seen that movie Joyce with Albert Brooks? Love Love that movie. Love Meryl in that movie. Uh, Great film. And uh, they in their afterlife pavilion, there is Shirley MacLaine as herself, like ta- inviting people into this afterlife pavilion where they get to see their past lives. It's a great joke. I'm so she's such a good sport for participating. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So not, the, I don't know. Yeah, what so do you she, know of Enemies Love Story? <laughs> I have not watched that. Images. Um, uh, Lena, that was just you know like her resting bitch face. She did not look happy when the winner was announced but i also don't think she cares so no i i, I love her <laughs> uh also stars your boy ron silver joyce i didn't even realize that uh and then he's you mean story. you mean academy award winner ron silver yes of course <laughs> uh we we should wrap up here because we're coming up on time but we have uh for screenplay original screenplay like we said we were going to hit this dead poet society wins the only one of these nominees with a best picture nomination but the other nominees this is an all-time list of 
screenwriters and directors. Uh, Woody Allen for Crimes and Misdemeanors, canceled, obviously. Spike Lee, Do the Right Thing. Uh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, Steven Soderbergh, and Nora Ephron when Harry met Sally. Great list. Great list. No notes. Yeah. Uh, would have given it to Spike, but sure, Dead Poets makes sense. I would have given it to Spike, and I would have booted uh, Dead Poets Society for Say Anything to get Cameron Crowe a nomination. Uh, so, and to make that really an all-time list. Uh, and then adapted screenplay, Driving Miss Daisy wins. Alfred Uri based on his own play. The other nominees were Born on the Fourth of July, Oliver Stone and Ron Kovic, Enemies of Love Story, Roger Simon and Paul Mazursky, Field of Dreams, Phil Alden Robinson, and My Left Foot, Jim Sheridan, and Shane Connaughton. Uh, I wrote down a couple others, Batman and Indiana Jones, <laughs> uh, and then Drugstore Cowboy, though I don't think that would have gotten nominated. No. Though, uh I guess since Sex, Lies, and Videotape got original nomination, you could argue maybe it could have gotten nominated. But that was also kind of like a bigger deal. Yeah. As like the like the indie hit, you know? Yes. Um, and it was a can, obviously, like a big yeah, one can um, over and, Do the Right and, Thing. And Spike was upset when Do the Right Thing lost to it. He was, but I think he's come around on... Sp- I don't think he blames Soderbergh. I don't think no, no, like, no. It wasn't like that at all. There's like a quote. He, he, he you know, he, he blames, you know... The, it's it's the system and i mean like it's funny because they're both amazing movies i think do the right thing should have won but it's hard to be yeah, like oh so, man sex lives videotape sucks so this, this is, is after so can um so so he so spike lee said quote they're always looking for a golden white boy yes. and then there was buzz around the festival that the jury's president wim wenders lobbied against honoring do the right thing because its protagonist mookie Spike Lee, quote, wasn't heroic. So hearing this, Lee pointed to the lead character in Soderbergh's film and bellowed, quote, what's heroic about a fucking pervert who interviews women about their sex lives on TV? (laughs) And then, oh, and then a reporter from USA Today asked Spike, uh, why was there no depiction of drug use in his film? And he said, quote, you don't ask that question about Rayman and Working Girl. And then on a plane from Nice to Paris, a member of the can jury, Sally Field, leaned over a row of seats, took the director's hand and said, quote, I'm so sorry. I fought for your movie till the end and I'd do it again. So Sally, the original Kim Basinger. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's those two. Now, usually we go through the music sub choice score. Uh, I wanted to point out uh, Little Mermaid win for Alan Menken. Born on the 4th of July, uh, John Williams score great. Very similar to like his JFK stuff. Fabulous Baker Boys, Dave Brewson. Field of Dreams, James Horner, and John Williams again there for Indiana Jones' Last Crusade. Where is James Newton Howard for Major League? And more importantly, where is Danny Elfman for Batman? How is that not nominated? Um, I would... I mean, these scores... I don't know. I mean, these are good scores. I guess you you could say that, like, John Williams doesn't need the double noms. I just think Batman, it's like... And we'll get to the song, too. It's a great score. Yeah. Like none of the Prince song, like no Prince song for, for Batman here. An original song. I this, just is, this is the beginning of the, the Disney Renaissance. I understand, but I'm just like, this is, this to me proves that they did not take that movie in the lick seriously. I understand well, it one yeah, best art direction, but like it really could have gotten at least four nominations or five nominations, really. I mean, I just think it's a, sh- it's just a joke. I don't know how it's not nominated for score. That Danny Elfman score is like one of the most iconic scores of all time. More iconic than Little Mermaid, I would argue. But this is, you know, this is when they like Disney would win both categories. I know, I know, and I'm I, I understand. 
<laughs> and it's great to see Howard Ashman uh, alive and winning an Oscar for original song for Under the Sea. Um, but, but also part of your role would have won had it been nominated. Yeah. Uh, so those are those the song categories, Joyce. And then cinematography, I just want to point this one out because again, it made me laugh. It's like just iconic stuff and then glory Freddie Francis wins, which is actually a great win, but it's like uh, Michael Michael Salmon for The Abyss, Haskell Wexler for Blaze, Robert Richardson for Four in the Fourth of July, and Michael Bauhaus for Fabulous Baker Boys. Just a great list. Uh, I love that. Yeah, um, and like it's it's also nice that Glory got another win too. It got it got three total, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, it did three total awards. Yeah, because it won one of the sounds. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so like the Batman Art Direction win was great. This is why actually, I, and just uh, for editing, this is why I actually go back, going back to like Stone versus Beresford, I think Stone would have won. It won Best Editing over Driving Miss Daisy, born on the 4th of July. I think it was more of the filmmaker movie. So I think it would have won Screenplay, uh, Daisy would have won Screenplay, Actress, Picture, and Born on the 4th of July would win Film Editing and Director. But that's still like, you don't, like you just need to be nominated for editing. You don't need to win editing to win best. No, I understand that you don't need to win, but I'm just saying like, I think in the minds of the voters, Born on the 4th of July was the more filmmaker, uh, more like, you know, whatever it is, auteur, whatever you want to call it. And Driving Miss Daisy is like the better movie, right? Like they enjoy Driving Miss Daisy as a movie. It's the coda of 1990 and 1989. It definitely is the coda because Sean Hader did not get directed nominations anywhere. So. But- Four and Fourth of July is like the power of the dog, where it's like more austere and more like you know. Uh, the power of the dog didn't win editing. It didn't because they were like we didn't nominate John Hader. It's a different Academy now, Joyce. Uh, so no, I th- I think like the editing win for this, it's like yeah, it could it could win this. Like we've had numerous cases where like the best picture runner up won editing and lost directing right. and picture. So I don't. I still think I think Stone would have won. I think they love Stone. I I just think like they were obviously high on driving the Stacey. So they could have just given Bruce Beresford because also that's like, he, he's not a producer on driving the Stacey or right. a, a screenwriter. So directing was his only shot at a nomination. Like, like Peter Farrelly, he has two Oscars, not for directing because he was not there, but he produced the movie and he co-wrote the screenplay. Correct. On Hader, not nominated for director, but she wrote the screenplay. So they had other avenues of awarding those directors, even though they were snubbed. So I feel like if Bruce Beresford had gotten in, they could just check him off because we know they like the movie. Right. And I guess we could, we could wrap there, Joyce, that we didn't mention foreign language film, which is what it was called at the time, Cinema Paradiso wins. Would that have been a 10th Best Picture nominee uh, at the time, maybe? I don't know. I don't know if they were like ready to embrace non like. I don't know if they were either, but I will say that was like. One it's a of great the, film. Yeah. And it's also one of the most. Uh, it was like a, a, a foreign language film that broke through like as yes, me as yeah. a 10 year old knew what it was. So I'm like, that's rare, I would say. Right. Like at the time, I wouldn't know other foreign language films. It yeah. was like a mainstream movie is what I'm saying. I think it did really well at BAFTA. Like. Because here, this is its only nomination, right? And it did. It won Best Film Not in English Language. It won uh, Best Actor, I think. Let's see. Scintillating stuff. Uh, well, Goodfellas won. That BAFTA Awards, Goodfellas won Picture and Director. Uh, Philip Noriette won for Cinema Paradiso and Lead Actor. Uh, Jessica Tandy won for Driving Miss Daisy. 
supporting actor Salvatore Caschio uh, for Cinema Paradiso and Whoopi Goldberg for Ghost. Joe Pesci not even nominated, even though Goodfellas won a ton. Crazy. And it won original screenplay uh, as well. Yeah, it won five from 11. Yeah, 11 nominations at BAFTA. So crazy haul. And, um, and that's it, I guess, Joyce. That's it. We've, we've come to the end. Uh, it ends. The Oscars ends. Billy says goodnight. Uh, 40 million people watched. And he comes back the next year and celebrates uh, Dances with Wolves. And it's a big, you know, rah-rah ceremony. And that's it. That one? Off to the races. Yeah, like we already did that one. And we did. You can watch it right now. If you're watching this and you made it this you, far, you can go, go back find it. A couple weeks. Yeah. And watch it. And watch, watch. Um, this is, yeah, this is the one where they say Ron Silver yeah. is an Academy Award winner. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. This one had a, a rough red carpet intro. It did. Uh, but I'm glad I'll say this, even though, like we said, we Billy not, not the, does not shine in the monologue. I'm glad he came back. He's a good host, but this was a weird start, I would say. And if he, you're watching it, I would also argue it doesn't seem like he would do it again. I don't know. It just doesn't like, I know I, the reviews are like, good, but. I think the sentiment at the time was like, you know, it was better than the previous year and no one, like it was just these, these groups that were offended, right? But like, like the general media was not offended by right. him and, and didn't try to take him down. So I think that's also why he returned the next year. Yeah. And as we like already discussed, like he was a lot more comfortable that second year. He was. It's a great, it's a good stuff. Uh, Joyce, this was great. So we'll come back. So these are bonus editions of this, Joyce. We'll do another one. Uh, I think the next one we're going to do is the 2001 Oscars to celebrate the films of 2000. Are you not entertained, Joyce? I'm always entertained because Russell Crowe just went back to the Coliseum. So. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so see you next time. Bye. For all things Hollywood competition and awards, head to goldderby.com and follow us on social media at Gold Derby.